I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Welcome to the 75th episode of the Weave Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Heddlecraft, a digital weaving magazine launched in January 2013 and designed for the hand weaver who knows how to weave and wants to know more. If you're looking for a new resource to deepen your weave-in knowledge, this is it. Heddlecraft is published six times a year, and a one-year subscription is $19.99. Each issue is based around a theme, which includes an educational article explaining the issues weave to help weavers understand how the weave is designed and woven. Following the educational article are the samples for the theme, primarily designed for the 4 and 8 shaft weaver. Each issue is distributed directly to the subscriber's email account as a PDF, accompanied by the WIF files for weavers that use weaving software. Individual issues may also be purchased for $4.50. I strongly encourage you to go check it out. Visit www.heddlecraft.com for more info. Thank you to Heddlecraft for sponsoring this episode. This week I'm talking to Emily Winter, the founder of The Weaving Mill, an artist-run industrial weaving studio in Chicago. I first connected with Emily when I was looking for a mill with Dobby looms to create a batch of fabric for my Jewish prayer shawls. I went to visit her space in Chicago last winter and was blown away by what a wonderful thing she has set up there, merging art, design, production, education, and community engagement with textiles. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, Emily. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards textiles and weaving? Sure, sure. Um, my name is Emily Winter. Uh, I live in Chicago. And um, I've been weaving for, let's see, about nine years. Uh, I started weaving right after I finished college. Um, and I had been curious about it for a long time. My my mom bought a loom at an estate sale or a garage sale, I think, like when I was in high school. And we had it kind of like sitting in the living room. And I would sort of like poke at it, but never, we never figured out how to use it. It was just kind of like this funny semi-broken loom that was in our living room for like a couple of years. Um, and I, yeah, had just been curious about weaving for a long time. It seemed really like, um, the technology of it seemed like both incredibly foreign and also very attractive to me. And I had done a lot of sort of adjacent crafts and types of work. And when I finished college, I said, I really want to learn how to weave. And so I got in touch with the Chicago Weaving School with Natalie at the Chicago Weaving School here in Chicago and uh, asked about doing like an internship with her. And she very generously took me on and taught me how to weave. And uh, it sort of, that's, that's where it started. That's great. And how did it continue? Oh, great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, so I started weaving and I I pretty immediately was felt like, oh, this is uh, something about it just sort of clicked for me. I really loved um, the expansiveness of it and the sort of like endless permutation and the process. And it just kind of like made sense to me as a as a way of working. And so uh, Over the course of a couple of years, I was working with Natalie at the Chicago Weaving School. I started working as a teaching artist in a day program for adults with developmental disabilities doing textiles 
and weaving work. Uh, I got a loom and started weaving at home and just kind of exploring and sampling and trying to understand weave structure and pattern and color and material and all of that. And just kind of like really just like working on it, working at it. Uh, and after a couple of years, I was sort of realizing that like this was becoming a more significant part of my life and what I really wanted to be doing. And so I applied to grad school and went to Rhode Island School of Design and got an MFA in textiles with a focus on weaving. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's sort of like my life, life path. Um, and let's see, I'll tell you about the weaving mill probably. That's important. Yes. Tell uh, us about the weaving mill <laughs> and when you started dreaming it up and what yeah. it is and what it was like yeah. to create it. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's kind of a semi convoluted, but pretty fun story. Um, the, the day program that I worked at um, for adults with developmental disabilities is uh, in a building in Chicago called the West Town Center, and it's run by a social services agency here in the city. And it's a uh, converted factory building that now houses this day program for people with disabilities. There's a range of different types of programs in the building. There's an art studio, there's now a, a commercial kitchen, there's bike programs, there's all, all, a whole range of things. And um, the the social service agency in 2005 partnered up with a weaving company, a commercial weaving company in Chicago that was going out of business. And they decided to move some of the equipment from the weaving company's facility into the day program with the idea that they could keep doing sort of a pared down production of their, of their textiles, of their home goods. And they would start a job training program with the clients in the day program so they started that in 2005 and they ran this program for a couple of years. And then over the course of the next decade, basically, it sort of petered out. And I worked in the building and I got to know Jim, who was the guy who was running that program. And I saw these looms, they're industrial, it's an industrial setup. So there's two industrial production looms, Dobby looms, uh, warping setup and a sort of sewing machine area. And so I got to know Jim. I was sort of immediately like enamored with these machines the first time I walked into the building, um, sort of under other, for other purposes, you know, immediately saw these machines and said, what the heck are these? Um, yeah. So, right. So the weaving company partnered with Chicago Weave or with the social services agency, they ran this program, and then over time, it sort of petered out for a variety of reasons. So when I was in grad school, uh, my former boss who ran the art program, Monica, she got in touch with me and said, now Jim is Jim is retiring. The program is kind of officially shutting down. Do you want to make a proposal to the agency about sort of taking over? And I was like simultaneously like, definitely and like oh my god what <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so I started talking with my friend Maddie who I was in school with and um we just sort of started kind of talking through like what it could look like and uh I got a list of the equipment that was in there from Jim because I didn't know what any of it was and you know started showing it to people and talking to people about it and being like okay like does this type of loom mean anything to you? Or like, what do you see when you see this, like this particular sort of, you know, 
group of machines, like what does that signify or like what could be possible with this? And, and so Maddie and I started thinking about like what, um, what that kind of workshop could look like in terms of like what it would look like to make our own work together there. And, um, you know, what a sort of reimagining of the program with Envision clients with the adults with disabilities could look like sort of switching the focus from job training towards more of like a textile education program, uh, thinking about, you know, what it would look like to have a artist residency in the building. And so we started sort of mapping all this stuff out. And then in the summer of 2015, uh, in the summer of 2015, I moved back to Chicago. Maddie moved to Chicago. She was from Boston. And so she moved to Chicago and we started uh, cleaning up the space and Jim was very generous in doing some training and teaching us how to run the equipment. And so we started, we just kind of got straight to work. And over the next couple years, we really just kind of learned by doing, um, really going from that initial, those initial conversations, sort of the outlines of what the types of programs and projects that we wanted to establish really Oh, we did for the most part pretty much adhere to those and have continued to adhere to those. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So for three years worked on kind of like setting up the foundation of the weaving mill and figuring out kind of like the mechanics of, of running the machines, what it looks like to make fabric in quantity, what the textile education program with the Westtown clients looks like, what the sort of motivations and goals with that are the residency kind of fleshing out how that functions and, and then kind of developing like what the weaving mill studio work looks like. Um, yeah. So we did that for, or, you know, have done that and I can talk more about all those things in detail um, for about three years. And then last summer, Maddie moved on to back to Providence to start her new chapter. And I'm now driving the ship. That's great. Yeah. I I got to visit you there last fall or winter um, because we were collaborating together. You made a small batch of prayer shells, Jewish prayer shells for me. And it was really like such a special place because it, it has that industrial energy. It has these really old looms that, you know, have been making all sorts of things for many, many years. And then it also has... Um, the vibrancy and energy of all the folks that you're teaching weaving nearby. And so it seems like those two places really play and interact together really well. So yeah, it's, yeah. It seems like a neat collaboration. It is. And I think it's a really special like space and place, which I think is um, something that I like, we, you know, we'll have open houses or open studios like throughout the year. And it's like, it's really fun to have people over. Cause it's like, I feel like it's such a special place. Um, just physically, like it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful space. There's like glass brick wind, glass brick windows along one side and there's all this light and there's these machines. And then the building is really, as you said, really vibrant and there's a lot of different types of programs going on. And, um, yeah, it's a really very unique and special studio space. Yeah. What were some of the biggest learning curves as you were getting used to running your industrial mill and artist space? Oh boy. Good question. Ah, um, I think like 
you know, for me personally, I think that a lot of like a lesson that I have continued, I think that me, like, I don't want to jinx it, but I think I've maybe finally learned it is like, um, really like take your time. Um, I think that especially sort of when I have like my production hat on, I can get into this mentality of like, okay, get it. Like, just, just like get things done. And it's like, I have really, really encountered so many times that like, um, that the more like that, the sort of like slower and more thoughtful and like more sort of thinking ahead that I can do about things like the, this, the smoother things will go down the line, you know, or like using the right tool from the beginning or like double checking your math or, you know, (laughs) all these little things that are just kind of sort of like about sort of good, good work hygiene. Um, I think, and I think just kind of, um, understanding, I'd say also sort of understanding the limitations, understanding and like expressing the limitations, um, of the studio, not as, um, a negative, but as something that like, that are exciting and challenging for me to work within and for all the people that we work with to work within, um, that certain things like sort of the, you know, the ways in which the looms are set up is like, is not a hindrance, but it's actually something that can like compel greater creativity in collaborations and in um, my own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things you do at the weaving mill, in addition to your own weaving and the residencies you host is collaborating with designers. Yeah. And I'm curious if you could talk about a few of your favorite collaborations. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> there's so, so many good collaborations. Um, I just, uh, earlier this year finished a project, uh, with an artist named Nellie Agassi here in Chicago for an exhibition, um, at the Graham foundation, which is a really fabulous, um, institution that does grant funding. And they have this amazing exhibition and gallery space in a, um, it's called the Madliner house. And it's a, sort of arts and crafts-ish sort of historic home that's been converted into this gallery space. And um, it's really beautiful. And so Nellie was doing this project that was sort of taking elements of the house and thinking about the history of the house and then creating new, a new body of work around these elements. And so um, we designed a series of woven draperies that were taking architectural elements from the house and then transforming those into a woven pattern and then creating these sort of uh, extremely large and long draperies that sort of came down the window and pooled into the whole room. And um, the thing, I was such a fabulous project because I'm, I've become really accustomed, I think, to designing things that are like things that are not place specific, like blankets or home goods, or, you know, these things that kind of exist on their own internal logic as like a good design and it was such a fabulous change of pace and challenge to like actually be looking in a specific space and saying okay what are the elements of this room and what are the colors and how is this going to fill it up and working with Nelly was just an absolute treat she was fabulous um but that was that was a really fun sort of change of pace to sort of think about how how a piece of fabric will exist in a specific space and having it really resonate with that space. Um, and it's just so fun to do yet to work on a like, you know, piece of piece of fine art like that. Um, other, other collaborations we've done some, let's see. Um, 
some really fabulous like blanket blanket design in collaboration with um uh we did a blanket with unison home a couple of years ago that was a really lovely and fun project designing a throw blanket for their for one of their collections um and uh yeah those are those are two one one recent one from the archives great mm -hmm. collaborations and yeah those sound fun to work on and what are your what are some of the projects you've worked on of your own designs and imaginations that you've been most excited about mm. well let's see i'm currently working on a um New, okay, so I'm currently working on a um, catalog project for the weaving mill, which will be sort of like a mail order riff on a mail order catalog format, um, which has been really fun to sort of dig into like making functional home goods and thinking about just really like as I go through my day thinking about like, what are the things that I encounter uh, that are made out of fabric that I could possibly make and that could be a um, you know, like a catalog, catalog item. Uh, yesterday I made a pot holder out of some scrap fabric, which was just like the most satisfying and fun little project. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that in terms of like sort of weaving mill projects, a lot of what I've been thinking about lately is kind of making these sort of, um, generic's not quite the right word, but sort of veering on generic, um, not generic cause they're, you know, highly fabulous, but, um, so yeah, biased. Um, yeah, sort of thinking about like, uh, these kind of like, er, home goods, like what is these sort of like incredibly basic blankets or dish towels or pot holders or bath towels or bath robes, like these sort of elemental, like textile objects and, uh, using, you know, very, uh, simple but high quality materials, simple designs, and thinking about sort of like what it, yeah, what it looks like to have a, yeah, weaving mill kind of home goods catalog. I imagine there's so many different pieces that go into what you're doing every day and um, the art pieces and the business pieces and the equipment pieces and the everything pieces. And I'm curious what some of the most challenging parts are for you. Mm. That's a great question. I think it's all the little pieces, honestly. I mean, I think that, you know, everything on its own is, is like interesting and challenging. I think the thing that for me is most challenging is, is like puzzling the pieces together. And I'm sure you resonate with this mm -hmm, too, but just totally. like, like the gear, yeah. the gear shifting, you know, where you're like, okay, wait a minute. I just did some bookkeeping, but now I'm going to work on a drawing or like, oh, I got to email people or like just all these or like, Oh wait, I have to remember to like troubleshoot this machine or like the, the gear shifting and kind of jumping from one mode to the next, I think is honestly the most challenging um, part for me. I mean, it's like a, it's a blessing cause it's like, a, a, it's a great gift to be able to move, to work in all these different modes. But I think that that is, I would say the most challenging just kind of on a day to day basis. Hmm. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. <laughs> the blessing and the challenge of that. Yeah. yeah, totally. So you recently returned from visiting the Navajo Nation and participating in the annual wool buy. And I would yeah. love to hear more yeah. about that experience. And if you were sourcing for some upcoming projects at the Weaving Mail. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
I have been for the last couple of years, last several years working, a friend of mine here in Chicago is a sort of um, wool dealer. He's, he works with antique textiles, but then also in antiques in general, but then in the last I'd say 10, 15 years has gotten into wool sourcing and processing and, and yarn production. And um, it's through him that I've started working with this Navajo raised wool. Uh, some of it's churro, some of it's um, fine wools. There's all, some of it's uh, mohair. There's a whole range of, whole range of materials. Um, and so the wool buy has been going on uh, this year, I believe was the ninth year, eighth or ninth year. And it is organized by a coalition of the Black Mesa Water Coalition and the Diné College Land Grant Office. The main wool buyers are coming from um, a wool cooperative in Ohio, as well as a couple of other buyers. And essentially, it's like a week-long buy, which um, I, I struggle sometimes to describe it. But <laughs> essentially, it's like over the course of a week, uh, these different buyers are traveling around the Navajo Nation to different towns and sort of setting up a temporary marketplace. And people from all around the region are coming in with the wool that they've been raising and selling it uh, to these wool buyers. And so the the price of wool has, uh, by virtue of the buy happening over the last eight, nine years, uh, the price of wool on the reservation has raised, has been raised considerably. Um, and there's just kind of like a, there's a slightly more um, competitive and more equitable like market price for the wool that folks are raising. Uh, so I was there this year as sort of a extra set of hands, documenting, observing, taking notes, taking pictures, packing wool, loading bags, sort of, you know, jack of all, jack of all jobs, um, with the support of, um, a grant from the Center for Craft, Creativity, and Design to sort of work on this project around like the wool supply chain and this particular supply chain with this material that's originating in the Navajo Nation. Um, so the wool sort of in terms of like whether I'm sourcing wool for weaving mill projects, sort of like yes and no, like I wasn't, I wasn't buying any wool on this buy, but I will be working with wools, with yarns made from wools from this buy in the future and um, have been doing so uh, for certain weaving mill projects with, with um, yarns from past wool buys. And it's really like, I mean, it's like totally, you know, I think that there's a lot, there's a lot of talk about kind of um, like transparency in supply chain and sort of visibility of um, visibility of producers and of the supply chain. And it was really, you know, and I think in some ways I've, I've maybe gotten a little cynical about that because it often, often sort of feels like a, a marketing, marketing technique mm -hmm. or marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. And it was really just in just this really basic way, just like so exciting and like eye opening to like actually like participate. And like, I don't quite have the words for it yet, but just to kind of like, like feel the value of that, of like the continuity of the supply chain, like um, for as someone, you know, I had, you know, as, as I was working this by and meeting just a whole cross section of people involved, both in the organization of it and people who were there selling wool and people who were there like selling lemonade, you know, this whole just like fun cross section of people who have come together around this sort of event of the wool buy. Um, 
you know, when I would talk to people and they'd sort of say like, well, what's, you, you know, who are you? What's your involvement? And I'd say, oh, well, I'm here helping out with the buyers and I'm a weaver and I live in Chicago and I work with materials that um, some of the yarns that are made out of the wool that's, that's being sold and raised. Um, and then I would show people samples and it was just like this really like fun, um, yeah, just like linking of the chain that um, I feel very lucky to be a part of. And um, yeah, sort of dusted, dusted off my cynicism a little. It's sort of about the value of, of that kind of um, uh, transparency. And yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a really special experience. I'm curious, I've heard, I've been reading and hearing that farmers out west, sheep farmers this year in particular, have been really struggling with droughts and um, yeah. climate change related weather. And I'm wondering yeah. if that was a lot of what people were talking about. And Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, like short answer, yes. Um, mm -hmm. Short answer, yes. Uh, I think that in terms of like, like people are definitely talking about it. I think that it seems like the general trend is, is uh, in terms of like sort of amount of sheep and volume of sheep that people are raising seems like it's um, decline, you know, declining um, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's also like, I mean, it's, um, what do I want to say? Being like far from any type of expert on this question is my, you know, caveat here. Um, I think that like, I think that there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot, like there's no, from where I stand, there's like no question obviously that like drought and climate change are having like an adverse effect on, on like people's ability to healthily raise livestock in the West. Um, I think that it is, um, you know, it didn't, in terms of like the volume of wool that was bought at the wool buy, there wasn't, um, I think this year was up from last year, but I think that has a lot to do with um, the sort of how the word is spread and more people are coming to this um, to sell wool. But I think that, yeah, there's no question that it's, it's not an easy, um, yeah, it's not, a, it's not an easy part of one's, of one's life to, to do that. Well, jumping back to the weaving mill, I would love to hear about your experimental artist residency program and what kind of mm -hmm. artists have come through. And also if people who are listening are intrigued, how mm. can they apply? Yeah. So the, um, the Westtown artist residency project acronym warp is, uh, <laughs> is a program. Nice. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, yep, we got Weft also, <laughs> Westtown Education for Textiles. Um, Warp is so Warp is a program that we've been doing since I think 2016 was the first year, and the the motivation and sort of the idea behind Warp is that there's a whole sort of world of really talented and wonderful artists working at Westtown Center, and um, a whole world of talented artists working other places throughout the country. And Warp is really designed to create a sort of studio space and platform for, uh, for working artists from outside of West Town Center to come spend some time, work on their own projects, and then either teach workshops or do collaborative project uh, with the artists of West Town Center. 
So it's, we've had a really awesome range of people, some textile related, some not. It's not a textile specific residency. Uh, it's really about um, uh, working in West Town Center and um, teaching and working with the clients of West Town and producing, you know, sort of the idea is that like, that somebody will come in, they have some type of, you know, artistic practice already, and that we really want over the course of their month working at West Town Center to like see some kind of infiltration and like symbiotic thing of their, the teaching work that they're doing with West Town clients and the thinking that they do sort of around that to sort of penetrate and influence the work that they do in their studio practice. Um, this year we started, uh, sort of reframing the residency as a sort of like double collaborative residency, asking for applications from duos uh, so that two people would apply together as a collaborative duo to work on a new body of work or project and then work together with West Town clients. And uh, that was prompted uh, last summer, we had an unsolicited duo application and um, Jennifer Huang and James Hapke were the residents in August last summer. And just the sort of dynamic energy of having two people working in the space together uh, and experimenting on a new body of work and then teaching together. It just was a much more like, it just brought a sort of different type of energy to the residency that was exciting. And so this year, um, we decided to frame it sort of exclusively as a duo residency. And we just finished um, the July cycle with um, two visiting artists who did a fabulous job working together. And we've got the next duo coming up in August. So yeah, so it's a program that just runs in the summer. Um, this summer, it's July and August next year, who knows, probably the same, but one can never say, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're interested in learning more, if you go to the weaving mill website and then there's a section about warp, which has sort of profiles of previous artists and residents and, um, more information about the, about the project. And what other projects do you have on the horizon that you're excited about at the weaving mill? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let's see other projects. Well, I'd say my two, the two main projects on the horizon right now are, are working on uh, continuing to dig into this work around the Navajo wool supply chain. So um, going on the wool buy was sort of the first chapter of this research and sort of field work. And I will be continuing to follow the wool through its um, processing into yarn and documenting it and uh doing some work around that sort of thinking about like how we can see, yeah, sort of investigating this question of like what it, um, yeah, what it means to sort of document and look at the sort of supply chain of things and how that can influence the way that we understand the textiles themselves that come out of it. So I'm working on a collection of wool blankets, uh, and scarves and possibly some clothing working with that wool material. And so that's the wool project is, is a big one that's ongoing that I'm continually very excited about. And, um, it also, yes. Yeah. And then, um, this mail order catalog is another project that I'm also, um, digging into and having a lot of fun sort of playing with the form of the catalog and thinking about, um, how, 
we can sort of use that as a format for like further understanding how things are made, how weaving works, and um, yeah, just kind of thinking about um, the, the stories behind the objects that, that we use in our day-to-day -day life. And where can people go on social media and on the internet to find out more about you and about your work? Yeah, uh, so The Weaving Mill has a website, which is www.theweavingmill.com, which has a selection of past projects and information about programs and all sorts of good stuff. And um, we have an Instagram, which features, you know, the usual daily sort of studio updates and project information. And uh, we have a mailing list called The Weaving Mail, if you're interested in getting you know, occasional updates about what's going on and events and things. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the uh, web-based contact points for the weaving mill. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today to talk and share your stories. And I'm wondering if we could close out with any final advice or words of wisdom that you would share with other weavers out there. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I would say like be, um, you know, like curious about your materials. I think that, um, I think that weaving is like such a fabulous and magical medium to work in. And I think that the expansiveness of it and all the possible permutations and the accidents that can happen in the process of weaving are such wonderful starting points for sort of developing your own hand and your own eye and your own sort of sense of sense of textiles. And so I would say sort of just like be curious and follow your nose in the course of weeping and leave no, I don't know, warp unraised. <laughs> Quite makes sense. You know, you get I love point. that. Yeah. I love that advice. Thanks so much yeah. for sharing. And thanks for coming on yeah. the podcast, Emily. It was great oh, to talk yeah. to you today. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah, so much for having me. That's a wrap. To see photos of the weaving mill, products that they have for sale, and all of the links, please visit our show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 75. Thank you again to our podcast sponsors, Heddlecraft. Heddlecraft is a digital weaving magazine with the sole objective of sharing the passion for weaving. For more information about Heddlecraft, go to www.heddlecraft.com. Next week on the podcast, LaShawn will be taking you on a peek behind the scenes of Weave Podcast Land, sharing some updates of what she's been working on, some plans for the future, an invitation to all of you, our listeners, to get involved. Don't miss it. And until next time, happy weaving. Happy weaving.